1: Grand rising and good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Morning Update show. I'm your co-host, Trey Holiday, and we want to welcome you to a magnificent Monday. The sun is out there shining. The, the you know, wind's a little cold for the Pacific Northwest, but it's actually very normal. We're really used to that. Of course, I'm excited to be back in studio with my co-host with the most big old. What up, big old? We
0: used to it. You know, I'm, man, I'm a tropical brother. You
1: no, know, look, yeah, you just came <laughs> from all that nice warm weather, too. I know it's, yeah. Yeah,
0: it was man. It was nice and warm down south. You know what I'm saying? Down in uh, in Texas and in Georgia, and you return back home to this, and it's like, whoa.
1: Hey this is <laughs> weather shock
0: <laughs> man what's good it's good to be back in the studio with you trey holiday
1: yeah we missed you i'm so glad you're back you're looking nice and fresh man you know we're, we appreciate that your energy is back here in the black media matter studios my friend
0: yeah no the energy's hot this is a great week right here man lots of great stuff already happening we'll talk about here in a second but we we just you know released our the news here our, our offices in portland up and open and running yeah we got studio coming online there uh later on this summer so you know it's uh it's lots of good energy, man. You know what I'm saying? Uh, before I dive into everything, we got some great guests here, and I know that you're very familiar with their work. Why don't you tell us about it?
1: Yeah, I'm so looking forward to talking, to. We got Anthony Powers in the building. We got Blaze Vincent in the building. They are doing some phenomenal work with American Equity, a new website that has launched. It is now national. So we'll be talking to them about, you know, this launch. They also have a local event coming up to really celebrate this launch. I'm looking forward to it because it is one of a kind. And apparently Currently, it's now being kind of heralded, you know, across the nation as like the top leading type of site. So, you know, that brilliance, man, black brilliance it's, from right here, man, it's amazing.
0: So that's, that's also some town business yeah. sprinkled up in there, man, because you know <laughs> what I'm saying? No, no matter what it is, man, you know what I'm saying? The town, we come up with stuff, but it just goes, you know, all around the bubble. You feel me? <laughs> yeah. I mean, man, it's only going to be a few months from now. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, people in Belgium want <laughs> <laughs> to use this site. You know what I'm saying? Come on, man. You got Anthony and Blaze in here. They going to take this game from Bay to Spain, from Turkey to Albuquerque. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Putting everybody on the equity, man. I love it. I
1: love it. You are absolutely right. And their drive is really strong and they're dedicated to it. So I'm excited to dive in with them.
0: All right. Good stuff. Well, back in the studio, back on First Avenue. It's loud out there. Here we go. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Morning Update show. My name is Omari Salisbury, and I want to remind you that right now, yes, right now, is a perfect time for you to tag and share the stream. Go ahead and tag and share the stream with people you feel would appreciate culturally relevant news and information emanating from right here in the Emerald City. Want to give a big shout out to our partners over at KBCS 91.3 over at Bellevue College and, of course, the South Seattle Emerald. Reminding everybody you can listen to the morning update showing all of Converged Media's programming anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast, We've got SoundCloud over there in the, in the link, but you can also go to Google, Spotify, iTunes, over 200 different podcast platforms. You'll find us there. Just search Converge Media Network. Uh, time in the show right now. Remind people, hereforuswa.org. Hereforuswa.org, culturally curated in news and information regarding uh, COVID-19, the vaccine, Testing, boosters. I'll be honest with you, man. It's, it's depending on who you talk to, matter of fact, let me stop that. It's not depending on who you talk to. I'm going to call Christina Braddock over there at Public Health as soon as we get off. So it isn't depending on who we talk to. We're going to go, we're going to talk to, to her. We're going to talk to Dr. Duchin. But, you know, across the country, people are talking about people catching COVID and going to the hospital with COVID. You know, we, we know a lot of people who caught COVID and you know, they're kind of sat at home for a few days.
1: Yeah, this is, I mean, it's real. This is why, um, you know, people are still encouraging certain mask wearing, particularly at venues. I mean, I end up going to a lot of different things, being out here in community and, um, you know, in this kind of social world of like in-person stuff. And I tell you, um, you know, People are still asking for not just your your vaccination record. We see people that are doing, you know, on-site testing. We also see people that are saying you have to wear your mask. There are still businesses that are encouraging folks to wear masks. It's really a funny thing because now it's been, you know, in the hands of business owners, venue owners. It's now specific to certain spaces. But you are right. Oh, man, Boy, listen, people are still catching COVID.
0: Any, anybody, anybody that got some money or, or or there's some money making kind of person personal in the industry like a lot of stuff you go gone to is is entertainment in, yeah. in venues you're around a lot of celebrities <laughs> actors actresses authors everything else they ain't playing
1: yeah no they're not <laughs> and, I, and I understand it because I wouldn't be playing either I'm not playing for me you know what I mean I still got to go home to my sons you know make dinner so for me it's like COVID is one of those things it's it's not only a sickness, but to be honest, it's also an inconvenience, you know, because if you got a quarantine, I got to be in my room locked down, you know, 24 seven. It is not pretty. So I'm not trying to catch it.
0: Yeah. So here for <laughs> here for us, why uh, dot org, you know, lots of lots of information there. Like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach out to public health today because I, I just seen it, it's weird, you know. It's it's just different information coming in from different parts of the country. So we definitely want the best information on what it's looking like here in Martin Luther King County, as well as the state of Washington and what the hospitals are looking like and everything else. So we'll update you on that tomorrow. All right. So we got some big news, big news. We got an overlay here. This is uh, coming out of Portland, Oregon. (laughs) There it is. We got a link we'll put in the comments right there, too. And as Converge Media launches Portland production office, with studio coming online later this summer. Trey Holiday,
1: I get to I get to do my uh, girly girl fangirl out about Converge. Uh, you know, this is exciting news indeed all around. And I, I will say this: one of the things that I appreciate so much about being a part of Converge is hearing how people receive us, to know that we have people in Portland who are already tuning in. Now we'll have a a hub there. Amazing news all around and also really a true uh, showcasing of the dedication of building up Converge. So I'm just excited. Oh, I I can't tell you how excited I am to get down there, see the studios when it opens, help open it up. I'm I'm just pumped. I'm excited.
0: Yeah. you, You know, if I could share this with everybody. And don't worry, we're going to load in a lot of news headlines tomorrow. But I wanted to leave some space today to to talk about this right here. If I could share this with everybody, when when we talk about going forward in your purpose and thriving in your purpose, you know, that came about because I was sitting there and I, I was talking to my dad. I was in North Carolina and I said, Dad, look at this. And it's something that I wrote. Six years ago now, me and Eric Calligraphy and I said, Converge Media, we want to be a platform that uplifts um, black stories, black content creators for the for the distribution, marketing and monetization of their work. And we said that we wanted to have a footprint across the Pacific Northwest to uplift black content creators and black stories. And I'm like, yo. That's exactly what we doing." That was six years ago. Let me tell you something. Six years ago, man, I was couch surfing. I, w- I was selling beer and peanuts at T-Mobile Park. I was picking up Uber and Lyft shifts. Matter of fact, Converge at that time didn't even own a camera. Anything Converge was doing was pen on paper. I was writing articles and and blog posts and and all kinds of stuff, man. You know, but I just, just want to be clear that this. Man, when you got a vision, irregardless, you know what I'm saying? We just say never let go of the vision, and it don't matter. You know what I'm saying? Every Uber shift closer to the vision. Every peanut sold at T-Mobile Park, Safeco then, closer to the vision. You know, all these long nights, it's closer to the vision. And so, you know, it's it's a big moment for us, but even more, it's an affirmation and a reaffirmation that we continue to thrive in our purpose. And you know, a lot of people found out or came aware of Converge during the protest. So a lot of people think that we didn't exist before them. But man, we've been around for years, uplifting our community to the best of our ability. I tell people all the time, if we ain't have a camera, a video camera, well, I'd use a steel camera. If we ain't have a steel camera, I use an audio recorder. If we ain't have an audio recorder, I'm gonna write it down. If I can't write it down, you're gonna get an oral history because the story don't live in the camera. Those are all ways to distribute the story. The story lives here. The story lives in your heart. You know what I'm saying? And I tell people, man, don't let nothing stop you. Our our first camera was, you know, it was it was the cheapest iPhone. It was used. This is me and Eric Calligraphy. You know what I'm saying? But I'm like, yo, we're going to put paint where it ain't, bro. You know what I'm saying? Let's just make the iPhone cool out here. As far as, you know, we ain't got nothing big. And so we we popped it off with the camera phone collective. Man, and believe it or not, one of them camera phones is over there right now in the Museum of History and Industry, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's a dope feeling today. We we got a lot. I still I feel like we behind. You know what I'm saying? I got I got to make up for the years in that Uber, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We still we still some years behind as to where the vision is. But you know what? We're moving forward. And I'm so thankful and appreciative of everybody out there who continuously supports us, who keeps us on the air, who sends us all these good vibes and prayers and everything else.
1: I agree with you 100 percent. And being involved um, in the vision um, has been so amazing for me personally. And, you know, it was for me, it was a busy weekend. Right. It was. But um, the, the week. Uh, the last couple of weeks have really been affirming in terms of me living in my purpose. And, you know, as, as Dr. Joy DeGruy said, you know, you, you, you stay in your lane and you, and you pave your lane well. And when you do that, you know, others really resonate with how you are painting that lane, how you're walking in that lane, how you're thriving in that lane. And I, and it, it really stuck with me and to hear so many people really say to, to, to me, on behalf of Converge, like, hey, what you guys are doing is phenomenal. They're just like, look, we see y'all. You know what I mean? Veronica Berry uh, over there at the WOW Gallery was just like, sister, I see you. And that is the entire, uh, you know, book, um, you know, a whole theme of theirs at the WOW Gallery is dear sister, I see you. And um, just shout out to everybody who has really showed that they really appreciate what we're doing here at Converge. It is beyond just the relationships that I have in community. It is people who experience us sometimes for the first time that go oh my gosh you know whether they've been all over the globe they still understand the benefit of what we're doing right here out of pacific northwest for black content creators and for black stories so i appreciate those messages wholeheartedly oh
0: yeah you know something people might not realize it's always shocking to me every time i'm down south i was down there like i said in texas and uh and in georgia this is this is a rare experience here. There, there's lots of, of of media companies that are doing different media things, but you know, uh, uh, basically a TV production studio, and we saw that. And we you don't really get it because, like, for us, this is just what we always been doing. But it isn't until the national acts come into town, and we get the national acts in here. You know what I'm saying? Like Joshua Conyers, you know, it, it was in here. It was like, yo. These these black artists might go all around America. And Seattle, the only city where they walking in to a Black Media Matters studio. And like for us, this is just our thing. And it isn't until people who are from out of town who move around and they do tons of interviews all over the place. They're in New York. They're in L.A. They're in Miami. They're in Houston. But they come here to Seattle and they like, wow.
1: This is exactly what I'm saying. It gives me the, the gooseies thinking about it because Norman Garrett said it too. Uh, you know, literally being in certain spaces. I think for me as a as a person, you know, growing up and watching things, you have this concept. Maybe sometimes it's a preconceived notion that like, oh, this must exist everywhere. And then people come from all over the place. And they're like, this don't exist nowhere I've been. And I'm talking about people who have traveled globally, performing globally. So the idea that you're you're right, oh, what we're doing here is such a unique experience and really to see it light up on their faces when they come into this black media matter studio it's like a whole thing and it's something that resonates with me and I take it home with me all the time in terms of my gratitude because who you know years ago I promise you 2017 was one of the darkest years for me man and literally the next year you and I connected and started doing stories and nobody could have told me you know what I'm saying Five years later that I'd be, you know, interviewing all of these amazing folks, you know, really representing black narratives, black stories, the heart of, you know, our resilience. Come on, man. Uh, with a wall behind me on a daily basis that represents back black excellence from right here in Seattle. I'm telling you, you, know, you can't make this up.
0: It's <laughs> something to be said, though, to stick into the script. You know, we um we. Man, we just stayed who we are. We said from day one, we want to uplift black people, black voices and everything else. And clearly we rock with everybody. That's why everybody be on Converge <laughs> here, regardless of color, race, creed, orientate, you know what I'm saying? Converge love everybody. Everybody loves Converge. But you know, this is our this lane. And especially after the protests, we had an opportunity to, to go in any lane that we wanted to. If, man, you know, we go bigger and talk this, that and everything else. And I'm like, nah, we, we just we want to talk to some black folks at the CD in South End and, and in King County. But but like staying true to that though is, just, you know what I'm saying? It goes deeper and deeper into, you know, into our community and into our roots and, and everything else. And like you said, we've stayed in our lane and we've paved our lane, never trying to be anything more, you know? And this is this is still this show right here and this company as a whole, but this show right here said, man, we just trying to make our parents proud, Big Mama and them proud. You know, when we do that, you know, we won. You know what I'm saying? If if we can make our community proud, then we're doing a good thing. So it's a a good day. And I'll say this. I'll give everybody a heads up. The good news for this week is not over yet. It's just beginning. You definitely want to stay tuned.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this week is phenomenal. I'm excited to dive in and share all of the good news because honestly, it's really a reflection of the dedication and and the effort that is put here by all of us, the whole family at Converge.
0: Yeah, no, good stuff. So, look, uh, um, I'm gonna get out of here uh, quickly here. I want to give uh, a lot of space and grace to these impeccably dressed brothers <laughs> in the studio today so they can tell us what's going on but I, I did want to pop in on this though real quick and and just I might I might write something you know I'm I'm feeling you can tell I feel good man I get to write that everything hello um man this is around this issue here with, with police and the Seattle Police Department their recruitment you know um they, they've lost 300 some odd officers for all kinds of reasons though don't believe the hype um you know, some of the officers that left here saying they weren't being supported are the same officers who did that Proud Boy hoax. <laughs> same officers, that, you know, yeah, I mean, anyways, I won't get off on that. <laughs> but but here's the thing is, is. So the city is talking about, you know, one of the proposals is council member Sarah Nielsen. And Sarah Nelson's like, hey, they need to offer a bonus for, for officers to come. And maybe that would be in relocation and everything else. And there's the one thing I brought up with Sheriff Cole Tindall when she was here the other day and with Brian County the other day or uh, two weeks ago, is that where is the conversation on the type of officers? I mean, it sounds like they just want to hold out a bag and be like, yo, come get it. You know, and, and there, I don't think there's enough discussion on the type of officers and that's fundamentally a problem. You're going to get some more hoaxers up here, like to play on the radio. You know what I'm saying? Or or, are we going to get more officers? Who, who saw Charlena Lowes weigh less than 100 pounds as a lethal threat? Are we going to get more officers that like to gas whole neighborhoods up there on Capitol Hill? You know, the highest population density in the city. These are important questions that, that need to be asked. Because if it's just like we need to offer more money for more officers, but officers and, and how they impact who and what community? You know, are are we are we looking for officers that are used to to diverse Seattle's a diverse city, as we like to say, you know? And so I don't really hear any criteria coming out of City Hall in some of these proposals as the type of officers. And I see politicians, they want to be accountable for a bonus. But are they also going to be accountable for the actions you see?
1: This is really uh, an important topic, Oh, and I'll say that I agree 100%. One of the things that um, we have to really account for in terms of uh, policing is the tactics of policing. You cannot train out some of the tactics that some officers take You know, I I have this feeling that we hear it all the time. Oh, when it taught, when they talk about police training and that police training is going to be the guiding factor for to end all of this kind of discrimination that we see take shape on the force and that the community ends up dealing with as a personal account. This is something that is not, um, I think can be trained away. And we keep seeing that, that it doesn't really work that way. So the idea of being able to hold officers accountable for their actions is so valid here and also my thing is is this you have officers and we uh, this is again this is not my assumption this is truth this is factual where you have officers who are running away from certain states and certain jurisdictions because of the actions that have played out there but doesn't mean that they can't be rehired here we got to really think about Uh, that let
0: let me let me say that let me drop this one i'm gonna get out of here is that people need to realize too are you with this with, with just no criteria? Are you bringing more officers here that are gonna give these black officers hell? Cause please believe it, the black officers here in the Seattle Police Department, you see it there at Seattle Times today, the Tacoma Police Department, and in the sheriff's office, they catch hell in lock locker room, man, out on the streets, you know. And so, like, man, who who are you bringing in here? We 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 saw we saw people on that force sabotage Chief Best. You, you feel me? Like, man, come on. So. If they need it needs to be i think uh um we need to look at when they talk about hiring police here we need to look at the type of officer and whether they hit the city yeah so um man i'm gonna get out here you know i'll talk about this stuff okay yeah. <laughs> who who you got coming up first
1: yes i'm so excited anthony powers i know we have a, a great there it is there Anthony he is. powers is joining us after this short break so looking forward to diving into the discussion with him about american equity
0: All right. Good stuff. I'm out of here for the rest of the show. I will see you guys tomorrow. We're going to go to break right now. Coming back with Trey and Anthony Powers. You're watching the Morning Update Show.
1: As a non-binary Black femme, a lot of my identity is rooted in body. Once the vaccine
2: was introduced, it was really difficult to think in terms of safety as well as autonomy. As a Black American, the relationship with government is very complicated. It's hard to
1: trust. A lot of these conspiracies are really impacting people making a decision, especially with Black folks, to be clear about
2: what we're doing.
1: I think it's just a well-rounded conversation to see what's best for us.
2: The breathtaking new musical, Afterwards, is the story of the art we make from the love that shapes us. When three women discover unexpected truths, a dazzling
3: mosaic of intersecting lives reveals itself. Featuring a revelatory and soulful new score. Don't miss the world premiere of
1: this captivating new musical, Afterwards, at the Fifth Avenue Theater, April 29th to May 21st. Tickets at fifthavenue.org. Welcome back, everybody, to the Morning Update show. I am your co-host. Now, I guess host because my co-host is left for the day. But joining me right now is my bro around here, doing it big for community and beyond, Anthony Powers with American Equity. Welcome.
4: Uh, Thank you for having me. And I would have to ask, could we save the last five minutes? I know it's not why I'm here, but what the brother was just talking about with uh, uh, the police and all that, you know, I was part of a project a couple years ago we have some ideas that i think would be groundbreaking and if we could I'll uh, have the last five minutes if we can. On.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this this is all about really opening up the discussion. And, you know, I was actually going to say that to you because you really are working on the solutions on the ground, but also on the inside. I mean, we have right. talked about this the very first time I got to interview you. So we definitely got to dig yeah, into it. Yeah. I think it was great that we ended that segment there around, you know, the accountability of policing and what that yeah. looks like, particularly in the hiring process. And I'm yes. sure you have some gems drop on that but i'm really excited because the last time you were here you were telling us about the website um it was just in its beta phase right Mm -hmm. you were you guys were like working on this kind of launch tell us about what's happened since we actually had you here last
4: so a few things have happened since the last launch one is we flew out to dc to have our national launch uh the local launch was supposed to be before the national launch but then it got postponed so we went out to georgetown university who hosted us so shout out to mark howard who's uh Professor of Government and Law, one of the most prestigious law schools in the country, uh, for hosting us. And shout out to his staff, Virginia, Kate, and Evelyn, who, you know, it's kind of hard planning things on another coast, you know. Yeah. So uh, shout out to all of them. And uh, they're really big on a lot of criminal justice reforms. They helped a lot of uh, brothers out who were incarcerated and they started out while they were incarcerated. And then they got them not only jobs in Georgetown, but got them uh, accepted into Georgetown as students.
2: This is really, really
1: exciting, Anthony. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're talking about a website that is really going to allow people to utilize this dashboard. Uh, make sure the audience is uh, familiar with that because you explained it really well the last time, but this is a dashboard that allows people to really check how judges have judged, right?
4: Yeah, and this is only in the beginning because we're in the process of getting over 50 years worth of data. We also got a lot of police data. So we wanna measure everything ultimately from that first 911 call all the way till after somebody's uh, released from incarceration, right? So you can really measure at all points what are the areas we, we know the we know the areas of concern, right? But you can know who the people are behind 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 those. Get at the root get at the root causes, and get them out the way, get some reforms done. And uh, really bring uh, equity to the system.
1: Well, tell us about you know how uh, DC took to this because you're talking about one of the most prestigious law schools mm-hmm. in the country. That's huge news because yeah. you know you, you had this idea connected with Microsoft. They're yeah. like, oh my gosh, yeah. this is a phenomenal idea. But right. you had really thought so much of it out yeah. in the beginning to bring it to Microsoft for them to be able to take it and then build this dashboard. But mm-hmm. tell us about how Georgetown received. How now? Wait a minute. Now you know law students and you know people yeah. that are looking to be in, in uh, connected to the justice system mm-hmm. in multiple ways. Now they get to utilize this dashboard to educate mm-hmm. themselves, right?
4: And hey, what's exciting is, is they want to have a, a partnership now. I thought, you know, things were going downhill because I had bronchitis and I was battling bronchitis and I was like, yo, yeah, I'm going to make it. But you know, if you uh, lack oxygen, then it makes your bronchitis worse. So wearing that mask for nine hours going over there, I was having coughing fits. I ended up in an emergency room the day of the event, uh, so after I got on some painkillers and all that, I was like, I'm going to make it. Uh, blaze was jo- joking that I was like, uh, Jordan <laughs> coming back with the flu, you know, but you know, I couldn't, I couldn't miss out on, uh, you know, that, that the opportunity that they provided us. Right. So I actually missed my speech, but I made the reception and me and me and Mark were uh, talking to each other. Then he actually called home, which shows how, how impressed he was with it. Right. He called home cause he was supposed to go to a school event for his kid and canceled his, his appearance there so that we can go out to dinner. And he told me at dinner that he wants to partner with us.
1: Wow. Tell us a bit about what that looks like, because already this is something that will be launched, obviously, nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means people across all of these different states can begin to utilize this dashboard. Tell us about how that partnership with Georgetown elevates all of this.
4: Because it allows us to have people who are uh, familiar with the legal system nationwide. To be able to reach out and get these data sources, and the more data we get, the more expansive and the more in-depth we can get with uh, what exactly it covers, right? So like I said, we want to get to the, to the root causes, just like right now, as, as the, the, the version that's on right now is you can see every single judge and how they and how they sentence based off race, age, gender or socioeconomic status. so you know ultimately you want that to, to apply to police and everybody else.
1: Wow. I mean, you're talking about a whole nother level of this. I yeah. mean, originally, I know that when we first talked, you were like, look, we want to be able to showcase, you know, uh, the, 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 the uh, lineage, I guess, mm-hmm. of defense attorneys, of public yeah. defenders, right? Like mm-hmm. all of this, like really getting to the heart of it from that side. But to bring in the police, yeah, that is exactly what we were just talking about in terms of having a way to hold police accountable. Now it doesn't have to be you diving through a bunch of public records requests. Mm-hmm. Exactly, It's going to be out there for people to be able to put plug in certain points and mm-hmm. then the data spits it out to them, correct?
4: Yeah, and they shouldn't and they shouldn't have any objections because they say most police are good police and there's some bad apples. They should be glad to get rid of the bad apples and know who they are and how, you know how to get rid of them, right? So <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: Well, this right here is one of those things that I think is uh, is beyond because we talk about, you know, it's not just about the individual police officer. We understand that it's about the system. Right. So, uh, you know, how do you think this dashboard will really be able to showcase a lot of those systemic inequities? Because this is called American equity. Right. Justice. Plan. How can it really establish an understanding of the systemic level of all of this?
4: Mm -hmm. Well, we just did a. uh, a training for the washington defenders association so you know there's a there's a lot of people who deny that there's even uh, inequities out there right i mean they're still they're still believing that but when we show through data that it exists then there leaves no room for for that denial and once there's no room for that denial then the the next step is only to to bring about some solutions and really address it.
1: Well, you know, for me, this is, um, it it goes right into the heart of my advocacy work. Mm -hmm. And so I gotta ask, how are nonprofit organizations and community organizations and leaders and change makers, how can they get plugged in? I know we, last time you were here, Mm -hmm. we talked about maybe trying to get together to do some training for some of these organizations so that they understand how to utilize this dashboard in a way that's going to it impact the work that they're doing. We're talking about rewriting state level policy and legislation. Yep. What does it look like for you know people who are involved at that advocacy kind of activism level mm-hmm. to be able to utilize this data?
4: And that's why we're trying. We're trying to increase our outreach because we want to increase those those trainings, right? Um, and even in, in the legal world, right now we got something that we're building out called the Redemption Project in Washington. I don't know if I spoke on that last time I was here. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Seattle Clemency Project, Washington Defenders Association. And the Office of Public Defense. We're having a big conference in January where we hope to have some Supreme Court justices, legislators, and then legal actors on all sides, uh, uh, you know, come together because because the justice system has some redeeming to do, right? They have some redeeming to do. They've they've done our people pretty dirty, and it's time to it's time to uh, really make some true changes. And the reason that they named it the Redemption Project in Washington because the original name was the Post Conviction Reentry and Relief Center. The reason they named it the Redemption Project Washington was in homage to the work that uh, I founded in the prison system.
1: Yeah, which, I, you know, I was going to yeah. have to get back to that because yes. just touching on that, you uh, started that work while you were um, in in the institution, mm-hmm. but you have continued that work on yes. the outside. Just tell us a bit about, you know, kind of the history of the Redemption Project work that's been happening now across, I think, almost all the prisons, right? Just tell us how how you have been able to continue that work and the start of that work a little bit too, to just to make sure our audience knows.
4: Yeah, so the idea was, It was really to to change the negative cultures of prisons right which was ambitious, and it was to get us to stop being a negative influence on each other. Because we were influencing each other to continue the criminal lifestyle and get out and like that's some kind of glorification really we're only tearing down our own people. So to abandon the criminal lifestyle and actually start thinking about how can we benefit community from here. And how can we benefit community and lead in community once we do get out there?
1: Well, you have really been it's such an inspiration. I know there's so many people who uh, I think have woken up to their own truths. Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes that's a brutal truth when you're talking about how, you know, you're part of hurting your own people. Yeah. Um, I want to hear from you, though, about because because a lot of people don't understand. This is why I always say it's so important to have people who have lived experience mm-hmm. talking to others. Who are living that same experience? It's very, very a a very unique relationship that happens and occurs there because oftentimes they got deaf ears if they're trying to listen to somebody who's never lived it. Tell us a bit about that, and maybe some of the the cases where it was like maybe a young person who was just like, "Man, I ain't trying to hear that. I ain't trying to hear that." But you eventually get through to them. How has that been in terms of your experience? um, You know, really injecting this inspiration into other people.
4: I mean. I was I was uh, able to reach all different races, all different everybody, all different groups and gangs in the prison. I had a unique knack for that. But after getting out, you know, I uh, started working with some of the young brothers before COVID. And I was I was talking to them first. I started off by talking about the criminal justice system. I say, look, I don't I don't condone you out here, you know, messing up. But if you do, here's what you got to expect. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I would talk about my past. And then I talk about opportunities that they have that they might not realize they have. And how you need to start coming up with short term and long term goals and actually start, you know, uh, em- empowering yourself. So uh, what, what, what I saw is with the youth is when I was talking to them and this is a packed room. Right. And when I was talking to them, they're like, man, nobody's ever talked to us like this before. Right. But, you know, I, I brought the credibility with my past because they were shocked when they heard about some stuff, I used to do. So, you know, but uh, but, you know, but just making that connection with them on a real level. It uh it makes it more valid when you have something to say about, you know, how you can get out of it. And that's why I try to tell brothers uh who work with the youth, don't try to glorify the stuff. Don't don't think the, the don't think that the, the validity is talking like a gang member. You know, the validity is showing them what they can become. And even though, the, you know, they the used to be where they at literally that, you know, they can get out of it completely and live a better life and be better for the community.
1: This is something that I think is some of the most powerful work. And the last time I was talking to you, I I really found myself getting so kind of like internally emotional about it, like so excited because it's like the relief that so many activists and, you know, civil and civic Mm -hmm. engagement leaders and you talk about civil rights leaders. This is what they were trying to do. I think the whole time, Anthony, and you've really unlocked something here Mm -hmm. in terms of how to reach young people. And I mean, like you said, it's people of all ages because sometimes they'll talk about you can't, you know, teach an old dog new tricks and all this. Somebody who's, you know, lived that life for 50 plus years, Mm -hmm. it's sometimes really difficult for them to see themselves as now a part of the solution. But that's why that's my biggest moniker here on the morning update show and beyond. I talk about it in community all the time. How are you being a part of the solution? Mm -hmm. But you really was like, no, I'm just going to do this thing. And I think it it starts with your own awakening, which you described in the last, um, the last interview we had, but this for me is like, I, I don't even know how you, uh, how you move forward because this is everything. Like what you're doing is so phenomenal and it sets a foundation for many generations to come. How is that for you in terms of understanding the ripple effect of what you're doing? Because you started again in the prisons and now you have this amazing dashboard that's launching, you know, nationally. I mean, it, it goes to a whole nother level.
4: Yeah. Well, I think about I think about, you know, first, first, I try to stay humble, but I think about my family members. You know, when I found out some of my own family history, you know, uh, my great grandfather on my mom's side, he opened up the first African-American storefront in the northwest. And he made a lot of money, bought up a lot of money over in like the Yakima area. When it started developing, started selling it off, became one of the wealthiest African-Americans of his time until they accused him of messing with a white woman and they murdered him. And, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, you know, you know the story. Uh and then my um uh, my great grandmother, uh uh my, my mom's mom's mom, right? She was the first African American to work for the post office in Portland, Oregon. And when she went to get the job, she she told me that her friends told her, Why are you even gonna try to get the job? They don't hire black people. And she said, Well, if I don't if I don't try, then I'm not gonna find out. You know what I'm saying? So she said, Those the don't want to find out, and that's if I try, and if I don't try, I'm not gonna find out, right? And she got the job. Uh, my mom's mom, she was up here in Seattle. Got divorced, went back to the Bay Area with my mom and her two sisters. Started off as a secretary at IBM, first African American secretary at IBM. Then worked her way up to a management position. After that, retired and wrote for three soap operas as a role turns. Got enlightened all my children. After that, wrote a play that blew up big in Germany. You know what I mean? So it's like I look, and, and 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 her husband was actually her, her dad. Excuse me was uh, in the Negro League. So it's like you know I look at I look at what they did and it's like you know they did what they did under the conditions they were under. Then you know what am I doing? <laughs> you know, really. Yeah. Every you know?
1: time you know, um, somebody, uh, I just heard it this weekend. You know, was like, you know, I don't have the comfort or the um, ability, um, to be tired when yeah. I think about our ancestors and mm-hmm. what they pushed through in terms of their conditions. Yeah. Um, Anthony, this is huge.
4: I got one more thing.
2: Yeah, please. We got,
4: we got, we got yeah, to get this in. Yeah, so, please. So a couple of years ago, when they were talking about uh defund the police, right? And then it's it scared even old black folks, right? So I mean we gotta we gotta acknowledge the verbiage we use, right? So we started using the word divest and invest. Because mm-hmm. you heard divest and you don't think, okay, but won't right. So if they just divested, because they're talking about what will we do with two hundred million, and then they start going on a few months like what we'll do with 100 million? you know? They want to find less. If they just invested in a black youth academy, a private black school, right? And made it large, Right. And at that school, not only teach them life skills, how to how to how to get out, but also teach them trades because some people are hands on. Right. Mm-hmm. And the trades are six figure jobs. Teach them tech. There's a man tech jobs open in America. And then, you know, when they graduate high school, they might not even have to go to college because they living on that stuff in this in this black black academy. It's the same idea that Converge jobs with media. You know, it just be a, a converge. Uh, You know, Academy, you know, I mean, but it's like, you know, you can spend a little bit of money and do it. You know, you can start off with the two blackest counties in in, in Washington State. Right. You can spend a little bit of money. And over the course of five or 10 years, it's going to start changing things that are done completely. Right. Because you can start thinking and how do you invest in the black community? How do you have a black uh, uh car dealership so that we ain't putting money in their pockets and we put money in our own community? How do you have a black grocery store? How do you have black you know what I'm saying? And start investing but when we teach the youth and give them the opportunity because a lot of reasons the youth they never uh uh, make it out of the mindset that they're in is because they don't think there's no, nothing to strive for. They don't really believe it's, it's possible, right? So when you show them what is possible and you give them the opportunities to make it possible, then that's when we could really be, uh, uh, you know, in the, in the position that we need to be.
1: I agree 100 percent. And before I let you all the way go, yeah. I mean, you mentioned it earlier here, just in terms of police accountability and mm-hmm. the hiring process, I want to give you the, a couple minutes. We may not have five,
4: but a couple minutes for <laughs> yeah. you to just
1: maybe talk about that as well.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, 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 it's really a we already know it's a systemic cultural thing, and a lot of a lot of the police, they don't relate to the black community at all. And then what I've seen personally and in just my own personal experience. Uh, A lot of the black officers, they seem like they're so caught up trying to prove themselves in that position that they end up going harder on uh, their own people. Right. So there definitely needs to be an accountability. But my my mindset is, is that we need to really uh, I think we're over policed, you know, so there needs to be new training, but there also needs to be a new mindset on police. Of course, police are going to want more police. Because if there's more police, that means you're less likely, if there are cuts, to get cut, right? So we need to really think outside of this over-policing model and really think about how do you get to the root causes of what leads to crime in the first place. And then that's going to make the community safer in itself. And we're the people, we're the taxpayers, we're the one paying those salaries. So really, we need to rally and not just have to be a, uh, a reactionary thing to something in the news, but have to be something that we're rallied around and that we have objectives that we're striving towards, and we don't stop until we meet those objectives.
1: I agree 100%. This is why I love your idea of the Mm -hmm. academy, and we see this happening. Um, You know, ACE Academy, Mm Rainier Valley Leadership Academy, we're seeing some of what you're talking about in terms of injecting the the youth with that that vision, you know, and that inspiration to understand how much um, they can be a part of the solutions Mm -hmm. in crafting new pathways for themselves and others that look like them Mm -hmm. um, and others that think like them. Them, right. Because sometimes yeah. it's just value based. Right. Uh, and this is why the Black Panthers were successful in the ways that they were, because they were like, look, it's not just about black people, it's about poor people. Mm-hmm. So they were going to all of the folks who were living in the same socioeconomic uh, situation that they were living in. And that was the value and the connectivity. I could talk to you all day, Anthony. I'm so <laughs> grateful that you were here. Congratulations on this national launch. I can't wait to dive in blaze and hear about this yes. local event. Thank you so much. Thank you. Amazing. Amazing. We're going to be talking to Blaze Vincent coming up next after this short break. There he is right on. Uh, We're going to be talking about the local launch event happening this month. You guys stay tuned after this short break. You're watching the morning update show.
3: My name is Josephine and I live in Renton, Washington. I am a singer and I use the arts as a way for me to elaborate on all the concerns of our community. I ended up with COVID and it impacted my life greatly. I was told sometimes to rest, but resting felt like I would die. I was told to lay down, but laying down flat took my breath away. Even after getting COVID, I still did not want to have anything to do with the vaccination. There was much fear in the African-American community and no one should react out of fear. Before you do anything, pray. And make sure that you're praying to get the answer and not praying to get your answer. Since I received the vaccination, I've been able to breathe. Reconsider asking yourself why you are hesitant because it wouldn't come up if it didn't need to come out. I'm telling you to stand and make a choice. We'll be all right
1: welcome back everybody to the morning update show i am your co-host trey holiday and you know what an amazing discussion i was able to have there with anthony powers it's clear that there is some change that is needed but it's also clear that change is on the way and i'm excited to talk about the local launch event of american equity and the dashboard that we all get to use to hold more of these guys in the justice system accountable i gotta bring in my brother blaze what's up blaze what's
5: up hey thank you
1: so much for joining me today.
5: Yes, I'm glad to be back.
1: I got to say both of y'all looking sharp. I forgot to say while you was on Anthony. Y'all looking sharp Absolutely, today. Absolutely, because to, yeah, we got that business. business. Like today. he said, town business. Yeah. Now, this is really exciting because you guys have already done the national launch. Mm-hmm. Tell us a bit more about the local effort happening here with American Equity.
5: All right. So, you know, first and foremost, you know, it's it's, it's about my community more so than anything. So, it's launching at Seattle U on 14th and Yesler. You know i was raised in the brian manor on 18th and gessler you know my mom still stays there she's been staying there since 92 despite all the gentrification so you know this this event means something you know community-wise geographically for me so you know i just to get back to my community and actually be on the forefront of you know addressing these issues these systemic issues in which how we lost our community and we're talking about a movement to try to get our community back You know, that means that means the most to me.
1: You know, it's really important because I think so, so many of us, we have to see it to believe it. Right. And the idea of, you know, what Anthony was talking about was, you know, how young people get inspired is because they were talking to people who had lived it. And I know you have been a part of that. Tell us about some of the excitement that you get to be able to bring such an amazing effort into the community. As you said, it's about community and Seattle University has its own pedigree in terms of law school students and what they're doing there. Tell us about why you guys were able to connect to Seattle University and say, this is where we need to do this local launch.
5: Um, I'm not really sure like exactly why, I think it's the universe. You're gonna have to ask Anthony why he made the logistics, you know? Um, For me, the excitement for me is to be out here on the ground with my community. Right. To be out there with Freedom All or the Freedom Project or Kids or Kids or Washington can or, you know, all the boots on the ground. Right. And to be, you know, fresh out like this is like day 120 since I've been out and to be able to be on the ground and doing the work. And then also be part of, you know, this launch right here with American Equity and Justice Group with this equity dashboard, which is a tool for us to leverage and get some exponential progress towards what we're doing on the ground. Yeah. You know, and so for me, that's the excitement is that we actually, you know, are taking advantage of this technology. You know, Seattle's like a technology hub. It's like the second Silicon Valley mm-hmm. up here. Right. And so we have all this technologies, Amazons, these Microsofts, these corporations and et cetera. But, you know, historically, you know, due to income inequality and in education and people migrating here, you know, it wasn't our communities who took advantage of those opportunities to leverage that technology. Right. And so for us to be doing this now to actually be leveraging this technology and for the work that we're doing, I think this is like a turning point for where we're going in Seattle with the movement.
1: I agree. I mean, I think it's not not only just a turning point, but it's such a necessity right now. I think, uh, you know, I I was just explaining this um, the other day to to my child and it's like. People get so bombarded with the fact that there hasn't been much progress or much movement. Yeah. Um, right now, and this is something I want to make sure both of you know, yeah. I, I keep on sharing this. The Fry Museum has a time capsule project where they are opening it up to black folks only um to share uh audio history about whatever you want to share. And then they will uh open this time capsule in 2123. So what you guys are doing like please get out there and share, check out the Fry Museum. Um, I think about this because I think about a hundred years before us and I'm like, We are still kind of fighting for the same things. If you look at protest movements from 100 years ago and what we were just asking for and demanding Mm -hmm. for in terms of change, it's the same thing. And the idea that what we need right now is a real leg up to changing these systems because people get burnt out, Blaze. Like they get burnt out because not enough is moving or progressing. Um, Mm -hmm. But this right here, this dashboard, what you all are doing, it really is a game changer.
5: Yeah, well, you know, for me and Anthony, you know, we have a a, a different perspective, right? Because he did 27 years in prison from the age of 17. You know, I did 18 years in prison from the age of 17. And so why the community on outside has like a myopic vision of the progress, it's like we done been to some depths of some bottoms to where we see a perspective to where progress is being made. Mm -hmm. And progress is being made with this movement in real time. And it's just the narratives. There's not enough of the success stories day to day that's being told. And that's why, you know, individuals get pessimistic about it. That's why Converge Media and and black media really matters because it's important. We got stories that we can tell every day about success within the struggle. And so personally, for me, you know, I have super more optimism because the work that I'm doing as a community advocate and paralegal and and helping my guys and and the women that are incarcerated right now and watching them advocate for them and get get them out, get them out of prison. It's like I have a way like more just upbeat and optimistic aspect of it because I'm literally participating in the liberation of our people. So, you know, like I said, if we just shine the spotlight on that and see what's really done, I think everybody would be like way more encouraged, way more optimistic, way more um, just motivated and galvanized for what we're doing. You know, one of the examples I wanna um, share is with kids or kids, you know, um, a a young woman named Rena, she got a son that was incarcerated and was a juvenile trial as an adult. And, you know, she joined on with Kids or Kids. Shout out to KL, Shout out to my lady, Donika Adams, who uh, friendlines it with me. Shout out to Rose and all the crew from Kids or Kids. But, you know, we did some advocacy and just show support for her and for her son. And, you know, we bettered the outcome that we, he would have had had we not intervened. And now she's part of Kids or Kids. Right. So it's like, you know, these are stories that are not uncommon on the ground. So like this is important that we cheer it. So, you know, I make sure when I grab a mic and somebody asks me, I'm quick to say, nah, 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 we're making progress. Now nah, we're strong out here. Now nah, we're winning. Now nah, we can win.
1: I love that. It's literally why I posed the question to you, because yeah. honestly, you know, it 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 is necessary. Not enough yeah. people are knowledgeable about what's happening. And this is why I love being here at Converge because we have to share the platform to make sure that people do get that understanding. And even if it's one story at a time, every time you've come on, every time I have somebody who is able to break the monotony of thought around, man, we're not really, what's up, you know, this and that, because I'm like you, right? First of all, I understand, you know, what a lot of our ancestors understood in terms of of being divine beings. We've talked about that, before and how that's a thorough line to people understanding like what we're doing right now is setting a precedence yeah. for the next generation. This is why I really appreciate Christopher Jordan. I'm going to give you another shout out because of the this time capsule project. It's like for me to be able to share something of a, a part of my lived experience for people a hundred years from now, to be able to hear that and to understand what we've been doing right now to really set a foundation for how they're going to be living is so important and it's so key. So I really thank you for always being optimistic. It is necessary yeah. and and our families need that and our yeah. community needs that. To give us the details about this event happening this month, um, so people, I know people can register. So mom will be putting the link in the comments. You can look right there and make sure folks know how to be connected to this local launch of American Equity and the Equity Dashboard.
5: All right. So American Equity and Justice Group is doing our local launch of the Equity Dashboard on May 17th from 4.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. From 4.30 to 5.30 p.m. will be the presentation and from 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. will be the reception. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's in my section, so I love it. (laughs) And so, um, you know, um, we talk a lot about trying to hold the system accountable, right? And then I don't even like talking system because it's people, people making decisions. And I think when we say system, we hide behind the principals who are actually making these decisions, right? So when you just call it a system, we start calling out names of who's actually, who's over-convicting, who's, who's over-surveilling our communities, actual people are doing this, but we put the system in front of it and we kind of lose where we're going with that, right? So that's where the equity dashboard comes in because actually the equity dashboard has actual names and actual numbers, particularly like for me with the tool that I use, like how I like to use it best right now is with kids or kids or with the Blake decision in which I got a lot of comrades who are on the inside right now coming back for resentencing. First thing I do is um, go to the equity dashboard, look at the county of the conviction, look at their judge and see the statistical analysis historically as far as how they've been sentencing people based on race, Mm -hmm. right? So now we can get to names, not just the system. We're talking transparency because we talk about accountability and acknowledgement because that's what I like. I want acknowledgement, right? Acknowledge what y'all did, all right? Accountability, but they don't be trying to hold us accountable because they say we don't have the data. So what we know with our lived experience, right? With our lived experience, like, you know, this goes with DeGrasse, DeGru- right? You know, post-traumatic slave syndrome with all that historical trauma that's within our spirit, within our bones, right? We know this anecdotally, this is happening to us in real time in 2022, right? Now what we know anecdotally, this dashboard helps us confirm empirically. Yeah. So, you know, they try to hit us with the stats. We got the stats now, we're gonna have more stats. And so with this transparency now, now we can get some true acknowledgement, true accountability and some policies and practices that they've been doing will be changed. So particularly where I know this can be leveraged that on the ground because it's from the top down. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it from the top down. But now getting this technology, getting this database on the ground, it's with uh, Court Watch. It's with participatory defense. You know, it's com- with community advocacy. You know, we can use these statistics. We can bring this transparency to the forefront to talk about how the community based organizations with the services that they provide that for years in the town have been providing measurables and deliverables to ameliorate the harms of our community. Now we can connect that with the statistical data on the harm and say, look, this harm right here, we have the services to uh, to, you know, remedy that. And, you know, this and then we go into a whole different story when we get to talking about Blake. And so, you know, whenever you're ready to talk about that, we can talk about that too.
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know, we're gonna have to have you back, Blaze. Yeah. I mean, we said it before. I, I'm just I I'm so inspired by y'all. I can't even tell you as a mother with two black sons that I am raising. This right here for me is a huge game changer. And what you just said just resonated in my soul so hard that. Yes, because I talk about the system a lot, yeah. but I love how you're talking. I know this is people that are making yeah. these decisions. And now we are holding those people accountable to the yeah. decisions that they've made. I think it is so true. And when we think about policy at a, at a national global level, there are specific policies that allow those powers to constantly implicate harm on families. And so we do have to take it down to a people level. Blaze, thank you so much. I I can't wait to be there. I will be there on May 17th. Um, As Seattle U, I am looking forward to this thing growing and me being able to experience it with you all. Thank you guys for the work that you're doing. And thank you for joining me today.
5: And thank you for shining the spotlight on us and sharing our story and letting us, you know, share our voice authentically for the people.
1: Absolutely. Anytime. Yes. Anytime. Oh my goodness. You guys, I'm telling you, we told you good (laughs) every day. It's a great show here. Um, These guys just killed it for me. And I really, again, of course, want to encourage you guys to see yourself as a part of the solution. Clearly, these two brothers who just shared their story are really doing that work on the ground. They are doing it in every way that they possibly can. Be inspired for you to be a part of the solution because I'm going to tell you right now, this world needs it. We need all of the voices to be involved and to be included in crafting and building new solutions that are going to create a foundation of how we change all of these things. Oh, of course, um, before we let you go, we got to let you guys know, Marriage of Figaro, there it is. Tickets are still on sale. I can't wait. This Sunday, I get to go see Norman Garrett do his thing. Um, But please uh, go to Seattle Opera. You guys can find the tickets there. Um, Again, I'm looking forward to a great show because we're talking about iconic show and iconic uh, costumes. I'm all about that life. Of course, um, you know, we're going to end this show all the way right with Shayna Shepard giving you guys some hope. And until then, please go forward in your purpose and go forward in your humanity. We'll see you tomorrow at 11 a.m. Peace.
2: What do I see through a lens of fear A thousand little steps to go What do I fear after all these years Lord knows I don't even know I've been running on the edge of the sun sleeping in the shadow I've been begging you to see me Then hiding beyond the unreachable Looking out left on the right hand.